helping disciple makers ignite a movement locally and globally. This is the Disciple First Podcast. Now, here's your host, Craig Etheridge. Welcome to the Disciple First Podcast. My name is Craig Etheridge. This is a podcast by disciple makers and for disciple makers. And you've been listening over the last couple of weeks to the great work that's been happening in Lusaka, Zambia through the Flashpoint Conference. We were so excited to see hundreds of pastors trained over six different countries and the movement that God is doing in those uh, communities. You've also last week heard a little bit from Glenn Underhill. Glenn Underhill is the disciple-making pastor at Fellowship Church in Roswell, Georgia. Glenn was challenging the pastors in Lusaka that our love for God really motivates us to make disciples. I wanted you to hear the rest of that riveting talk. So here is Glenn Underhill. The second characteristic I said is that a person, a man or woman who loves God passionately is being transformed by Jesus. Look at verse 17. Again, he, he goes on to say, not only does he say, follow me, but then look at the next phrase. He says, and I will make you. I will make you. That phrase literally means to experience a change in our nature. It's the idea that that transformation occurs through a lifelong journey. It does not occur overnight. Unfortunately, I think many of us see spiritual growth as, as something that should be instantaneous and quick. And it never happens that way. You see, as we enter into a lifelong relationship and fellowship with Jesus, it grows sweeter and sweeter every day. Because it's an opportunity for me to know him more today than I did yesterday. And it's an opportunity for me to know him more tomorrow than I do today. You see, that is the joy of walking in journey with Jesus as we yield the the control of our heart, as we yield the control of our lives. He begins to do what we cannot do in and of ourselves, right? He begins to change our character to reflect His character. And as we grow over time, that, that fellowship begins to help us discover the wonders of his person. And as we discover the wonders of our per, his person more strongly and more deeply, what happens is our spiritual fervor begins to raise up in supernatural ways. I would say if you are struggling to love God, I would check this at, at all of us is to say, am I truly being transformed by Jesus day by day by day by day by day by day? Because it is in that process of that transformation that we become more and more like him and we, become, we really be discover who he really is. And those are done really through spiritual practices. The practice of learning to communicate with God through prayer. Learning to saturate our lives with the studying and the applying of His Word. It comes with obeying His commandments. Obeying His commandments. It comes with storing His Word in our hearts. It, it, it results in us sharing our faith with others. And it comes out in the way we invest our lives as Jesus did with others. A man who spent many years with me used to say, Glenn, spiritual practices are not the end, but they are a means to the end. 
He would also go on to say that a wasted life is a disobedient life, and a disobedient life is a wasted life. You see, we cannot be men and women who passionately love God unless we are being transformed by Jesus. The third characteristic is that that a man and woman who love God passionately are focused on others. Again, look at verse 17. He says, follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. See, Jesus because he was an amazing teacher, tapped into something that these fishermen really understood. He got into their world. They understood what he meant by fishing men because they understood that fishing took on two primary objectives. Catching, catching fish, catching fish and mending nets catching fish and mending nets. And what Jesus was really saying to them is, look, when you cast, because when they understood that a casting a net in, in Jesus' day is they would have these circular nets and they would have rocks tied on either end of them and they would literally take them and they would throw them in a circular motion like this out onto the water and as it would hit the water, it would begin to sink and they would hope that, when that, that as that net was sinking to the ground that there might be fish in it. And so then those fishermen would jump off that, off that uh, boat and they would swim down and get that net and bring it up with hopes that there was a fish in it. But they, all they had to do was to simply cast the net. And what Jesus was saying is, gentlemen, gentlemen, if you love me, you will cast the net of the gospel. And you will trust as you cast the net that my job is to catch the fish. But do you trust me by casting the net? Do you trust me by casting the gospel? But it didn't stop there because they understood that not only were they to cast the net, but they were to mend the nets as well. If you will remember in this text that Jesus caught them doing what? Mending the net. That word mending literally is the same word that that Paul uses in in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 where he goes to those pastors and he says, hey, I am asking you to do this. You are to, to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. The word mend and the word equip are the exact same word. And so what they understood when they mended their nets was that they were to repair and prepare the nets for the next day's catch. And they understood now that Jesus was not only saying, do you cast the net of the gospel, but you equip those who have been caught to do the work of ministry, of making disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. You see, we cannot say that we love God passionately if we're not focused on others. And the last characteristic of a disciple or a man or woman who loves God passionately is they're willing to forsake everything. Look at verse 18. What's the first word that we read in the text? It says what? Immediately. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. You see, when Jesus 
called these men, did you notice their response? Their response was to leave immediately and to follow him. It is obedience that always comes first before service. I have a good friend that says that God's love language is obedience. God's love language is obedience. You see, a disciple or man or woman who loves God passionately is willing to forsake everything for Jesus. Not long ago, I was with a group of pastors uh, in, a, in one of our states, and I was doing a training just like this. And I, I, I stopped and I paused and I said, gentlemen, I'm going to throw out a few organizations, and I want you to tell me what those organizations do. So I started with McDonald's. What does McDonald's do? And they all yelled, burgers. In fact, I want you to say that. Burgers. All right, come on. Burgers. All right. Let's try it again. Burgers. All right. So they said burgers. And then I said, how about Nike? And they all said, shoes. Everybody say, shoes. And I said, how about AT&T? And they all said, phones. I don't know if you have AT&T here, uh, but, oh, or like uh, any, any other talk time you might have. But, you know, I, and so I started listing off all these organizations. And then the last one I said is, the church. Do you hear the silence that you hear in here? Was exactly the silence I heard. Because when the truth be told, many of us have lost sight of what the business of the church really is. You see, the business of the church is to make disciples who make disciples, to, 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 to raise up men and women who will cast the net of the gospel, raise up men and women who will equip the saints to do the work of ministry, which is making disciples that make disciples. See, if we're going to be men and women who love God passionately and love others unconditionally, we must understand that disciple-making and discipleship is not optional. We must return to the model of Jesus. We must return to his method. And we must be committed to follow Jesus, to be transformed by Jesus, to focus on others, and to forsake all for him. When I was in college, I told you I had a real desire to love God. So much so that I had a seminary professor, I mean a college professor that, man, I, when I looked at him, I could say, that man loves Jesus. In fact, there would be times I would sit in his class because I, I had to take a Bible class in the college I went to, and I, I started out in the back of the room, but because of just this zeal of this man, I went from the back of the room to the front of the room. And there would be times when he would pray and I would close my eyes and I would think, if I open my eyes, I bet Jesus will be standing right beside him. And so I went to him and I said, I asked him, I said, look, man, there's just something different about you and I have this desire to love God with all my heart. Can you tell me how to do that? And so he sat down that afternoon and this is no lie, he listed out 
two and a half pages of everything he did to love God, to demonstrate loving God. So I took that home, and I went to my room, and I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And the very first thing on the, on, on the list was he got up at every morning at 4 a.m. in the morning. Now, I was a college student, and you need to know I never went to bed before 2 a.m. in the morning. And so I would only get about two hours of sleep, and so it lasted for like a day because I was too tired. And I, and I was trying all these things on the list to try to do them, and I got more frustrated and more disillusioned and more frustrated and more disillusioned, and I finally quit. I had a desire. I wanted to. And this man passionately loved God. But fast forward that several years later, I met a man who identified in me. He said, you look like a young man who has a, has a real desire to love God. You look a little hungry. So show up in my house at 7 a.m. next Friday morning. And I showed up at his house next Friday morning. And he began to spend the next 18 months showing me how to love God. And uh, how to love others. Two men who loved God passionately. One man told me how to do it, but another man showed me how to do it. That man is the man that's sitting in the back of the room, whose name is Jerry Fine. Jerry, thank you for teaching me how to love Jesus. Showing me, instructing me, challenging me to love Jesus. Marilyn, thank you for challenging and loving my wife to do the same. Ladies and gentlemen, I am convinced that there are men and women in our churches who are longing to know how to love Jesus passionately. But they need to be shown, not told, how to do it. Because if love is really about a demonstration, it takes someone walking beside me to show me, just like Jesus, how to follow how to be transformed, how to focus on others, and how to forsake all for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. God, thank you that you love us. We, your love is so amazingly and undeserving, but we we want to respond back by loving you with all of our heart, mind, and soul. Lord, and we recognize that that, that love is a demonstration. It's motivated out of, out of what you've done for us. And, and, and we, we recognize that as we're motivated in demonstrating that love to you, that you take that as an offering and you begin to pour that out as a demonstration among others. I pray for all of us in this room, all of us who say that we are disciples of Jesus, that we will demonstrate that by following you, 
committed to following you, committed to being transformed by you, committed to focusing on others, and committed to forsaking all as a demonstration of our love for you. And we pray all of us in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Before I, before I let you go, uh, I, two things. One, I, I want to encourage you when you come back tomorrow, and please come back tomorrow, because you're going to hear some more amazing teaching and equipping uh, over the course of tomorrow. Uh, I want to encourage you to bring back your lanyard and your name tag. Because when you come back next tomorrow, all you'll need is just this. You won't need to register again because you have what? Your lanyard and your name tag. So wear that around your neck. Bring it with you. And I encourage you to be here. Uh, Connie, what time do we start in the morning? At 9 hours, 9 a.m. right here tomorrow morning. Name tag in hand, Bible ready, and focus to walk away knowing and expecting that Jesus is going to speak to you very clearly. Let me pray you out as you leave. Father, I pray you'd bless these individuals as they leave this room. Would you give them peace? Would you give them favor as they try to catch their buses and go to all the different places where they're going tonight? And would you bring them back safely tomorrow? And in the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Glenn Underhill at the Flashpoint Conference in Lusaka, Zambia. For more information on how to make disciples, go to disciplefirst.com. Disciplefirst.com is a one-stop shop for disciple-making resources. And you can also check out the Flashpoint Conference that's coming up in Birmingham, Alabama. This January, you will get to hear people like Ken Adams, Glenn Underhill, uh, uh, Robbie Gowdy, and others that are going to challenge you to make disciples in the local church. We hope to see you at the Flashpoint Conference in Birmingham. And until then, go make disciples.